Good morning. Welcome football and other efforts. I'm your host, Michael Gillum, and we've got Zach Lyons and Michael Herndon back because it's the podcast you've been waiting to hear. The Titans have landed Julio Jones, and I meant to ask Zach to pull up air horn noises for this this morning, but it's too late. We're already recording, so we can't scramble to air horn noises. You just have to deal with my own beer, beer, beer. So here we are. Julio Jones, I, 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 I'm actually a little blown away that the Titans have landed this man. Um, gentlemen, who wants to start? Welcome back. Well, I, I figured I need to start first because I, I got to, I have a prepared statement to read. <laughs> Hello, my name is Zach Lines, and you may know me as the guy who's usually right 100% of the time. Today, I bring you the sad news that for the first time ever on the show, I was wrong. Never in my wildest dreams did I think the Tennessee Titans would trade for Julio Jones. In fact, I'm still not even sure that's actually real. It's been a humbling experience over the last 24 hours as I've had to deal with the fact that I am infallible. Uh, however, that I am not infallible. However, in the end, I won. You won. We all won with this trade. So while now I'm coming to grips with the fact that I am only right 99.5% of the time, I will soldier on and still be the most correct person on the show and not let this affect my weekly performance. I will take no further questions and please respect mine and my family's privacy at this time. Julio fucking Jones. Michael, um, I, I don't I don't know if Michael agrees with me, but you will be taking questions today. <laughs> there, there will be some questions. Um, no, <laughs> but yeah, how how crazy is it to think just in general that Julio Jones is a member of the Tennessee Titans now? And not only that, but he wanted to be here. Uh, the Titans clearly wanted to go get him. And now A.J. Brown gets to play with his idol, uh, Julio and Derrick Henry get their, their Alabama connection, get together. It's, you know, Ryan Tannehill practically, uh, you know, lit up like a child in a, in a candy store when they asked him about, uh, Julio Jones being added to the offense. This is a trade that makes everyone happy. I mean, everyone should be happy about this situation. It, it was one of those situations where you, I, I like to gauge how good the move is based on the complete irrational reaction of other fan bases. Most of the reaction around the AFC South was, you know, oh, good, he picked the poverty franchise, which is pretty rich, coming from the rest of the, the AFC South. And most other teams that were, you know, possibly in the running, that kind of thing, mostly Patriots and, and Ravens fans, if, if the Ravens were ever actually in the running, same reaction. Oh, who's going to throw to him, which is rich coming out of both of those teams. But that's how it really started to sink in with me that, damn, this is, this is a lineup – that is a problem. And we're, we're going to kind of get to that part of it um, in, in just a moment. But I, I really am, I'm finding it hard to believe that the Titans are going to have two major wide receive wide receiver weapons on the field. I'm still trying to come to terms with that. I'm like, Zach, I feel like I'm going to wake up tomorrow and it's like bullshit. And we're actually going to have to go into the season talking about, you know, AJ Brown is the single and only wide receiver on the field. Um, so it, let me get into what the Titans gave up, uh, a 2022 second-round pick and a 2023 fourth-round selection to the Falcons. Um, along with Jones, the Falcons will receive or send a 2023 sixth-round pick to the Titans. Um, so, Mike, I saw you comment a couple of times yesterday on Twitter that 
um, based on compensatory picks for Corey Davis, this might end up, I mean, that, that value right there is already nice, but this might end up looking even better by the time you get a comp pick for Corey. Yeah. Cause I mean, they're, they're set to probably get a fourth round comp pick back. So, I mean, obviously a fourth rounder, I mean, you can't really look at it that way because at the end of the day, you could have had, uh, you know, the second round pick and the the comp picks and stuff like that. So it's not like you're, you know, getting that back, but I guess if you're, if you're looking at it from the standpoint of, well, they could have just re-signed Corey Davis. Well, I, you know, in a sense, they are getting a fourth round pick for Corey Davis and also getting Julio Jones. So you're, you're kind of like offsetting a little bit of that cost there. Uh, and plus Julio Jones's contract, or at least the contract portion of the contract that the Titans are inheriting uh, is not that much different from the one that Corey Davis got from the Jets. So, I mean, all things being equal, you'd obviously rather have Julio Jones uh, than Corey Davis right now. And that's not a knock at Corey Davis. Like I, I was as big a Corey Davis supporter as there was here. And he had a really good year last year, but he was never anywhere close to the stratosphere that Julio Jones is in. And frankly, almost no wide receivers are right. Like he's the best wide receiver in the last decade in the NFL. And, you know, as much as some people may want to act like he's, you know, shut down now, uh, the guy was still producing at an incredibly high level last year while playing through a hamstring injury uh, that basically, you know, had him at less than a hundred percent for, for basically the whole year because they never gave him adequate time to rest and recover. Um, so yeah, this dude is still a stud. He's still a superstar. Um, and you're, you're getting a major upgrade and, and you're not giving up that much to do it. I don't think. Uh, let me, let me ask this, Mike, because I'm, I'm a little confused. Everybody keeps saying we're getting a comp pick for Corey Davis, but it's for John Smith, according to over the caps formula, right? It's, it's either, or, I mean, I, I mean, the way that the formula really works, I mean, they, it depends on which one you want to cancel out with the Bud Dupree deal. Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's, it's six, I thought one there was a, like together. a set formula because they, you have to be in the top 100 contracts or something. So yeah. I just assume, yeah. I mean, do and we still don't know if Kevin Johnson retiring affects the compensatory pick formula, right? For sure, one hundred percent know that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not totally sure if it'll wipe that to completely off of the board, or there's also the possibility that because he was really close to, um, I think it's the top what seven eighty uh, free agents get put into the the comp pick um, formula or the top seven eighty contracts. Um, he was really close to that line. I think he was in like the seven fifties. And so the way the compact formula works, or at least the way that the, the people who study this have figured out that it works is you have your base salary, uh, or your contract, uh, AAV is the biggest factor, but then they also adjust up and down by, um, playing time, uh, postseason honors like Pro Bowls, stuff like that. Um, there's adjustments for performance that go in there. So they obviously Johnson isn't going to play any snaps. So he may get adjusted down while others below him get adjusted up, and that may push him out of the 780. So yeah, it looks like it may just be like a round, it, just a seventh round pick either way. 
Uh, six round, six round, uh, six round. Yeah, yeah, because of the way where they cancel out. But yeah, so the Titans could potentially get a fourth and a sixth in comp picks next year, um, which would be really nice. I mean, I, they're definitely going to get a fourth. The sixth is questionable based on whatever happens with Kevin Johnson and the retirement thing. Gotcha. I, I, I sorry to derail. I just am oh, so confused okay. because like everybody keeps saying Corey Davis, Corey Davis, but it's Johnny Smith. But you know, it yeah, is what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's one one of the two. Pick, take your pick. Quit, quit trying to cherry pick. <laughs> make make you just got to throw Corey Davis in there. So speak, speaking of cherry pick, Mister Fact cherry picking for the last month of we are definitely not getting uh, John or uh, I didn't Julio cherry Jones. pick. I used all facts. I didn't cherry pick my facts. Did, did you? <laughs> I did used you just all go facts with, available to me. Did you just go with all facts matter? I, so uh, let me let me ask this and back up because I, I want to ask this as a two-part question to both of you. Do you feel like this was John Robinson's the front office's um I, I guess I'm trying to say their their method, their strategy going into the draft on why we saw, you know, we expected to see wide receivers go up top, right? We didn't see wide receivers go until later in the draft. Was this their strategy, you know, going into the draft is that they were expecting to be in the running for Julio Jones and have an actual serious chance at grabbing him? And I guess my second question to, to derail a little bit, at the end of the day, does it matter? Uh, well, that's exactly what I was going to say was I don't I don't think you can approach the draft thinking that, okay, we don't need a wide receiver because we may get Julio, right? Like that really is – not the way to approach the draft. And according to John Robinson in his press conference, that doesn't fit the timeline. Um, so it, there, there is, there's some contradiction uh, that I just saw from uh, Ian Rappaport, who says the Titans initially started to make contact about two or three days before the draft. Now, he didn't say the Titans. He said teams involved. Okay. He, in the clip, he says teams involved thought that, okay, he's been made available and before the draft, and then a deal never got done. It doesn't, he doesn't okay. necessarily so maybe, say maybe it wasn't the Titans. The Titans then. Yeah, okay. so it doesn't necessarily say the Titans. So don't be pro football talk and just start putting words in Ian's mouth. Use the direct <laughs> quote. Okay. Zach would so, never do these things. Yeah, no, no, I no. use direct quotes. Says it right Zach, there. Zach, Zach would never uh, run with exactly what Diana Rossini said, word for word, right. and not consider that it could have possibly come from the Falcons. I, <laughs> hey, no, I said it could be both. So that's what I said. Okay. So anyway, I don't think that John Robinson's going to approach the draft. He doesn't seem like the guy that's going to approach the draft and be like, okay, well, maybe we get Julio, or maybe Julio's made available, and blah, blah, blah. And then draft, and then just you know, screw up the chance that the whole roster just falls apart, right? Like, you, you can't approach the draft that way. Does it matter? No, because we got Julio Jones on the fucking Tennessee Titans. Like, it doesn't really matter in the end. But according to his own words and his presser, they started two or three weeks ago seriously discussing with the Falcons. And then Saturday they cranked it up, and Sunday they closed it. And, you know, we were talking on the radio on Fox Sports Shoals on Friday, me and Mike were thinking that wouldn't it be such like the most Titans thing if another team just suddenly came in and just 
got Julio Jones right out from underneath the Tennessee Titans. And I think that maybe another team probably started creeping in. And that's why John Robinson cranked up the intensity in his own words into um, on the Saturday um, negotiations. But no, I, I don't think you can approach a good GM. Let me say that. A good GM is not going to approach the draft on the off chance that they may trade for a player. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I don't think, I don't think they did the draft knowing that they were going to get this done. I mean, obviously, if, if they'd known it was going to be done, it would have been done a lot quicker than what you know the timeline that we actually saw. So, I, I definitely think. Um, I think they probably had it in the back of their mind, maybe that this is something that if it, if the Falcons did become serious about this, that it would be something they'd like to get involved in. But I don't, you know, I, I don't know that they, I think it would have been irresponsible for them to go into the draft with this as the, you know, the whole plan all along, because, you know, all, it all it would have taken would have been one team to overbid them and throw up that first round pick and, you know, boom, your plan blew up. You know, why would, I don't know why you would put so much faith in something that you couldn't really control um, like that. So, but I mean, obviously it worked out for him, right? I mean, like at the end of the day, the biggest gripe anyone had with the Titans draft class was that there was not a wide receiver taken early that Des Fitzpatrick ends up being the only real wide receiver addition. Um, you know, obviously racing McMath too, but not a, not, not a, substantial addition right so um, calculus doesn't count right uh so it's uh but that now that that is off the table the draft class looks pretty damn good you gotta say right like you go get farley you get a right tackle you get um you know a, a slot corner who you know now with kevin johnson's retirement uh probably is even more important um and, and then you know, Rashad Weaver and, and, you know, Monty Rice, who maybe turns out to be Rashawn Evans replacement, whatever. Um, that, that draft looks a lot better now with Julio Jones on the roster than it did, uh, you know, last week. When and let me say this, let's roster. not forget that Melvin Ingram is creeping around in the free agency. I don't think he's signed anywhere yet. And he's just kind of lurking out there talking about, man, I should have got Julio to uh, add me to the package deal. So <laughs> I don't know. You may see a little Melvin Ingram action or Justin Houston or something get added, which would make this team even better. And, and honestly, I, I think that's an, that's an interesting angle to it, right? Because Julio Jones, and we've seen it a little bit with uh, AJ Brown and uh, the way, you know, he was recruiting him and going crazy uh, you know, trying to get him here and all that stuff. And, and really some of the, some of the other Titans players too, but Julio Jones carries um, a level of respect around the league that is rare. Um, you know, there, there's a few guys in the NFL that are, you know, pretty much widely considered, you know, just goats. Like they're, they're great all time, great type guys that, are universally respected. Everyone in the NFL is going to say, yeah, this dude's crazy good, you know? Um, Cause like he, we saw even Jalen Ramsey, um, you know, kind of pining for Julio Jones and, and, you know, Jalen Ramsey is a, a guy that is loath to give a, uh, any wide receiver in any respect. Right. Um, but he's universally respected around the NFL and 
this makes the Titans and he, you know, he's going to be here this year. He's going to be here probably next year. Um, you know, it sounds like they're probably going to rework his contract a little bit as part of the way that they get this under the cap. And my guess is that ends up involving them guaranteeing some of his 2022 salary. So I think this ultimately ends up being a minimum two year deal um, for Julio Jones here. And, and if he can keep playing beyond that, then great. But um the the titans i think become that much more attractive a destination for guys like melvin ingram and and justin houston that are sitting out there and maybe they want to go to a contender and they want to go to a team that's uh you know about winning a championship and this kind of all-in move and this kind of move to bring in a guy that is you know nfl royalty um I think makes them more attractive to players out there. And, and, you know, we saw what happened when Tom Brady went to the Bucks, right? Like all these guys line up to go sign with the Bucks uh, because Tom Brady's there and they want to go chase, chase a ring and, and all that stuff. I think, I don't think Julio Jones is going to have the exact same level of sway that Brady does. Cause obviously Brady's on a totally different level, but it's not out of the question to think that he would have some sway over that kind of stuff um he's he's one of the guys that i mean really if you're if you're ranking best players in the last 10 years in the nfl top five probably all positions i I would say uh that's probably fair um so i yeah i think julio is going to have a massive impact here i think it impacts the confidence of the locker room the confidence of the offense i think it impacts uh a lot about this team uh in a positive way and yeah it and frankly I just cannot wait to watch him on the field with AJ Brown and Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill and that whole offensive line. I mean, so, I can't wait for you to shut the fuck up. I mean, Jesus Christ, you went on forever. <laughs> I'm excited, Zach. What do you want me to say? The Titans have Julio Jones. Welcome back to the podcast, gentlemen. Mike, have you enjoyed missing that being talked to in such a manner for two weeks? <laughs> not not being talked to like that for two weeks. I know. Oh, I'm sure Dom's telling him to shut the fuck up behind the scenes. Let's be honest. His own, his own no. son. He's like, da, da, shut son. up. Dom is all about da 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 da. He loves him <laughs> some da 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 da. As soon as he develops my words, da 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 is going to change into, where's my mic, dad? My podcast <laughs> record, bro. So uh, I'm, I'm really glad you brought up the locker room piece. I want to try to phrase this question carefully because I'm not trying to sound like a, just a seething fanboy here, but. You brought up that, and I forget where, there was a charity event, I believe, that Tannehill and A.J. Brown were at last night. And when they were both asked, obviously, we know A.J. Brown's opinion, but Tannehill lit up like a Christmas tree. I mean, they both looked so excited for this guy coming in. Not that I felt like that the Titans' locker room was starting to lose morale, nothing along that lines, but to see key pieces leave on the offense, and you're bringing in a lot of new players on defense, so what kind of boost, what kind of morale boost, what just how excited do you feel like this locker room is this morning? Yeah, I mean, you got to think about it. it's a relatively young locker room, right? So I, I don't know how it is on the age scale for the whole thing, but you got to think of all the rookies that we have in there that then you got, I mean, even A.J. Brown. I mean, this is like what Mike said. It's basically the greatest receiver of all time, you know, of of his generation, I guess, uh, because really it's Randy Moss and T.O. and all that, but and Jerry Rice. And but Jerry Rice. I said Jerry Rice. Gosh. Golly. Anyway, 
you know, he it's that guy. I mean, it's it's you 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 may not want to sound like a seething fanboy, uh, Lebowski, but I bet half the I bet half the locker room is. I bet right. they're all seething fanboys right now that they get to see Julio fucking Jones walk into the locker room and share their space with them. Like yeah, what was coming into the locker room? He's probably gonna be on busing with the boys. Yeah, I mean, what was it? What was it? AJ Brown said he said I was laying in bed with my daughter when I read the news, and like he said, he kind of geeked out and had to calm himself down. And he was starstruck. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he didn't calm himself down from uh, too too much because man, he looked like he a uh, grandma's couch last night. I don't know what shirt and hat combo he decided to wear and why that one, but he <laughs> he looked like a couch, and uh, but. I mean, that's the thing. It's like every every player is, I mean, every player, every fan, probably every even analyst is all geeking out that for the next several months and possibly the rest of his career, I mean, that, that there's a good chance that he retires the Titan. Like, think about that for a second. There is a good chance that Julio Jones stays with the team and retires the Tennessee Titan, which is insane to think about. But everybody is geeking out. I mean, we as a as a collective here and the media, we were all running out of things to talk about and things to be excited about. Like, I mean, sure, we we're excited. Oh, Caleb Farm. But now it's fucking Julio Jones. Like, we get to talk about Julio Jones as a piece of the offense, as a wide receiver here for the Tennessee Titans. That is it's it's okay for everybody to geek out. And I think even I think. People like PK, people like, you know, the Outkick, Buck, you know, anybody that covers the Titans are probably super excited, whether they're a fan of the team or not, like they claim. Everybody's excited about Julio Jones. Players are excited about Julio Jones. Ryan Tannehill, the coaches, everybody, and they should be. And I think it's going to be, a, it's not only a huge boost for the media, for those that cover the Tennessee Titans, the, you know, for the national media, it's, it's, it's a boost for the whole city and the whole morale of the fan base. Yeah. I mean, look, Nissan stadium is going to be absolutely rocking. I feel like when the Cardinals come to town on what is it, September 12th or, or something like that, uh, whenever the first game is, but I, I feel like the stadium is going to be nuts. The, it, this this just adds a level of buzz that the team did not have before. They're like the team was good, it, I think we all kind of expected them to, you know, probably win the AFC South or at least be right there with the Colts competing for it. Um, you know, make the playoffs for sure. I, I think we all thought this was a playoff team um, before the trade. And but now you can start to to see a, an outline of what could be a Super Bowl contender, right? I mean, it, th- th- I think that's the kind of impact he's got because when it comes down to it, the NFL, you know, while it's complicated, there's complicated schemes, there's, you know, there, there's a lot going on. It still comes down at the end of the day to like, can you win one-on-one matchups? Um, and if you've got more guys that can win their one-on-one matchups than the defense does, then it's going to be really hard to stop you. And, and, and the Titans offense now has a lot of guys that can win one-on-one matchups and that that to me is what stands out i mean there's just not a whole lot of defenses that are going to be able to come out and match up against aj brown julio jones and still have enough in the box to defend derrick henry i mean because that's like the central choice now that that any defense that faces this team has to make you've got 
11 defenders, do you put two safeties back and try to defend uh, Derrick Henry with seven in the box, which, you know, is difficult to do? Uh, or do you turn around and, and just play one high safety, roll that other safety up into the box and take, take the chance that your corners can hang with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown on the outside? Because now it's not just – well, hey, we can put our best corner on A.J. Brown and maybe shade the safety over there and and let let Josh Reynolds do what he, you know, do what he can against our other guy. You do that and and that's Julio Jones over on that other side, good luck. Like it it is now like an impossible choice for defensive coordinators to make trying to defend this team. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to be completely unstoppable, but bad defenses have no hope against this, against this offense and good defenses, I think are going to struggle. I mean, you've got to have a defense that can both stop the run uh, with, with, without a whole lot of help from the secondary and have two corners good enough to hang with AJ Brown and Julio Jones. There's not going to be very many defenses that fit that description. Well, let, let's talk about some of the ramifications or the trickle-down effect of Julio Jones, right? So we we know that the Tennessee Titans drafted Des Fitzpatrick, right? So first, Julio Jones comes here, and then you have Josh Reynolds is now your number three wide receiver, who is a awesome number three wide receiver to have. That's like his wheelhouse, to be honest. But now you have three wide receivers that can play – any position. I mean, Julio could play in the slot. You can move around all these chess pieces and put Josh Reynolds outside, Julio in the slot, or AJ in the slot, and blah, 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 blah. Then you now have Des Fitzpatrick, who gets to learn from Julio Jones and gets to learn from AJ Brown and doesn't have any pressure to, to be a main piece. He can actually just sit there and learn. Another thing, then you have Caleb Farley and Elijah Bolden now who are going to be going up against Julio Jones and, and Josh Reynolds and all this stuff and learn how to defend or learn some t- tricks of the trade on how to stop certain wide receivers from Julio Jones. I mean, it's, 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 it, there's so much that these young guys can learn from Julio Jones. Not to mention that Todd Downing even mentioned that they're trying to expand A.J. Brown's route tree well, there's nobody to learn better to learn some route tree stuff from than Julio Jones. I mean, give me a break. I mean, it's just it's such a trickle down effect. It almost, and I may be getting a little overzealous, but it almost makes me think that the AJ Brown negotiation for his contract that's coming up soon, that's right around the corner. If Julio Jones is here and it's Julio Jones's idol, maybe he takes a little hometown discount to be able to finish out, you know, Julio Jones his finish out Julio Jones' career with him on the other side. Almost makes me think there could be a little bit of a hometown discount coming. I mean, I mean, could be. I mean, this certainly look. You know, th- that is kind of a, a down the list thing, but making AJ Brown happy. Um, <laughs> I think is a wonderful thing for this. Like we, we talked about it with the whole Elijah Moore thing. Um, and, and that would have been something that, Hey, that would have made AJ Brown happy. I think AJ Brown's still pretty, pretty happy today uh, with Julio Jones coming to play opposite him. Um, I mean, I don't know what I don't, again, I, I keep coming back to like, I don't know what defenses do with this. Cause 
either AJ Brown or Julio Jones is going to get the lightest coverage that they've seen in their entire NFL career regularly. Um, Cause Julio, Julio has had to carry an offense in Atlanta for a decade. I mean, look, they've had other good players like Calvin Ridley is a good receiver. Um, uh, Roddy white was a good receiver. Tony Gonzalez was there for a little bit. Um, you know, they've had some good players, but it has been Julio Jones's offense, right? Like he is the number one with a bullet item that you're trying to stop when you go play the Falcons for the last decade. Now the Titans have like three guys that are like that with Derrick Henry and AJ Brown and Julio Jones. And I don't know what you do with that. Like, I I just don't know what you do with that. And not to mention you talked about Josh Reynolds and Des Fitzpatrick I don't know who the Titans are going to play in the slot. I don't really care, honestly, at this point. We don't. Um, we talked about it before the before Lebowski got on, but we don't even care who the fuck our tight end is. At this yeah, point. who like, cares? Who cares? Like, okay, so like, Anthony well, who's play tight end? Well, sure, who Anthony Furcher's fine. Yeah, Anthony Furcher's especially fine when he, he's behind AJ Brown and Julio Jones. Um, I mean, good lord! But it, I the cool thing that the Titans can do is you've got A.J. Brown, who's six foot 226 on one side. You've got Julio Jones, who's 6'3", 220 on the other side. Your slot receiver is probably mostly going to be Josh Reynolds, I would guess. Uh, maybe you work some Cam Batson in there. Maybe Des Fitzpatrick gets in there, too. But Fitzpatrick also big. Josh Reynolds is 6'3", uh, 196. He's a little on the skinnier side, but still a bigger receiver. Um, you know, Fitzpatrick, 6'2", 210. It, this is a huge group of skill position players, which the Titans like anyways, but what a matchup nightmare this team is. Like, how do you have, how do you have enough big bodies to contend with that and, and still be able to run with these guys? Cause they can all run too. It's not this, these aren't a bunch of Tajay Sharps out there. I mean, it, it, this is an incredible group that they've put together. Mike just with the the casual just Tajay Sharp drive by with a lead pipe to the knee. It's as in we my trans- contract. I can't go more than a month without one of those. Just a Nancy Kerrigan job as I move on to the next topic. So, but but that's the 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 piece I like, and this may sound stupid when I say it, but the piece I like is that Julio Jones will run block and is damn good at it and there were also clips that that i I saw you tweet out yesterday mike of of you know it's not something not a highlight you hope you see a lot of but damn if there was an interception on the field he was getting after it to get down the field as a defender just just a guy who seems to play his ass off on all sides of the ball uh really i I, I like the component of the of the run blocking because again it goes back to the and it's obvious when you say it but Julio Jones on one side of the field, AJ Brown on the other, and you still like we have barely even touched on the subject of what this does for Derrick Henry, right? I mean, this is this changes things for him too because it really is this. You've got this three-headed problem of the Titans' offenses, and I saw so many memes that were being put out yesterday of defensive coordinators planning, you know, for the <laughs> for the upcoming Titans game all year. And what does this do for Derrick Henry? I mean, it yeah. does it does everything? I mean, like, what what do you do? Like, <laughs> I just don't even know how to explain it other than 
if he doesn't get another 2,000 yards, I'm going to be deeply disappointed. I mean, like, like it opens up running lanes. There's less people in the box. There, There's technically more people down the field. And, of course, John Robinson, one of the first things that he talked about Julio Jones was how great of a blocker he fucking is. If I have to hear that one more time that we love our wide receivers to block, I will, I will just scream. Like, well, get over. Scream. It's going to yeah. come up again. <laughs> like, get over. We get it. We, we understand that you love the wide receivers to block. But, again, what do you do? Like, it's just – he's going to have to get 2,000 yards. We should have – be able to see that there are 2,000-yard wide receivers. I mean, at this point, if Tannehill doesn't get 4,000 yards and, and Derrick Henry doesn't get 2,000 yards, I'd be deeply disappointed, especially with the extra game. Yeah, I, I think yeah, it takes it takes a lot of uh, it. It brings a lot more opportunity to to Henry because I mean defenses just are not going to be able to be laser focused on him uh, like they have been at times over the past couple of years. What number does who wear? I mean, is he locked in to number eight? I mean, I... he he could wear eight hundred eighty eight. I don't give a shit. Like, like I, this obsession with that fans, particular, I get that, you know, players have this obsession with the numbers and all that stuff. There's the obsession that fans have over jersey numbers and all people, this people stuff. People want to order the, their jerseys. Well, no, hey, you know, you know picks, why I'm asking this. Listen, when he picks the number, guess what? Go buy the fucking jersey. Does it matter to you that it's eight or 11 or 15 or 69? It doesn't fucking matter. You're going to buy the jersey anyway. Just shut the fuck up, buy the jersey, if, if that's your thing, and and do it. But, like, this obsession with, oh, well, who's going to have to give up? Blah, 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 blah. I, like, I could not be less interested in what number a player picks and decides to change to or what's involved to do it. It's just, it's, like, that's a little too obsessive for me. It's, it's like it's stalking the high school recruits on Twitter and Instagram before they decide, hey, uh, I think we're going to go to UT or we're going to go to Alabama or blah, blah, blah. You know, like, it's just, it's fucking weird. It's a, hey, it's a weird session. What I do with that, my burner account on Twitter is my fucking thing. Now, Zach, how can you sit there and say that you wouldn't be obsessed with what number they pick? Because you're, you're, killing, my, you're killing my lead in here, which is if he goes with number eight, that's just another chance for you to show Mariota jerseys. We get to see so many Mariota jerseys with a cheap tape job over them. Does that not at least kind of form your cockles a little bit? I mean, a little bit. You know, it's it's a it's a little funny. Like that. That's it, then you can say it's the best number eight in his, in uh, the history of Titans. I mean, like that. That's fine. Like I do love that aspect of it. But you know, I'm not going to sit here and cry about it if he chose like 15 or something. Like, but I'm all about being able to say he's the best number eight in Titans history for sure. And I will probably tweet that many, many times and get people riled up. Listen, listen, 15 is Nick Westbrook Akine's number. He's not coming in and taking that. Come on, come on. Wide receiver two, Nick Westbrook Akine, please. Um, but no, it. I think I think he probably, I, I, I am rooting for him to go with eight. Um, one, because I think it's a, a kind of a cool number. And then two, uh, I feel like the symbolism of hopefully, hopefully, this represents the break for those fans that are still clinging to Mariota for some reason and allows them to come into the now. 
because the now has been so much fun. And there's the people who are still out there just like pining for Mariota every time like the Raiders might release him or or whatever. Come come join us. Come join us here in the present where you know Ryan Tannehill's really good and this offense is putting up 30 points a game. It's a joy. You can now bring your eight jersey back out, just slap a Jones on there, and you're with us, you're good to go. Um, we can finally leave the past in the past and and move on as one United Titans uh, fan base here. All right, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to pee a little bit on the parade. Not a lot, a little bit of pee. Explain to me how this isn't, uh, you know, the same hype that we were giving Jadavian Clowney last year. Go ahead. Treat, oh, treat me like you will a fan who is going to inevitably bring this up in the next 24 to 48 hours when the hangover of we landed Julio Jones. Do you, do you want me to uh, treat you like I, like I would off the phone when I read a tweet like that? Or do you want me to actually treat you like how I would reply? I don't know which one is going to involve more. They're both going to involve a lot of cursing. Just go nuts. Um, well, I mean, I when I look at my phone and see your initial tweet comparing this to Jadavian Clowney and blah blah, I tell I'd be screaming, "Shut the fuck up! Who the <laughs> fuck cares about Jadavian Clowney? What is wrong with you?" And then I would probably reply, "It doesn't." It, I would reply this way: Jadavian Clowney has no bearing on Julio Jones. They are not the same person. It doesn't matter. And and ultimately, Jadavian Clowney. At, even at his position of outside linebacker was never the top of his position like Julio Jones has been several times in a season. He's just always been that above average kind of bordering on the top of his position. It just doesn't fucking matter. Like, like Mike said, ultimately, stop living in the past. Like, we got Julio fucking Jones, and this isn't this isn't the same as getting Andre Johnson or Randy Moss, you know, in a Titans uniform. It's Julio Jones, a guy who only played a few, he missed a ton of games last year and still put up pretty damn good numbers for a, for that, you know, like, I mean, let's get real here. He only played nine games and got 771 yards in nine games. That is, that's, pretty good <laughs> like i mean he would have he was on pace to do way more than that i mean like and he was still getting 15.1 yards per reception with battling a ham a grade two hamstring strain like it's just it's just so not on the same level as the vic beasley david Clowney signings and if you if you're gonna put that in the in on twitter that's fine because I know I'm asking for it because pretty much that's what our listeners do. That's fine. I'll do what I did with the uh, the the cold old frozen takes tweet from yesterday that everybody kept sharing and kept leaving their shirt sizes. I'm just gonna turn off the notifications. Simple, easy. That's what I did. After the first like two that notifications I got, I just went in there and turned off notifications and didn't fucking see any retweets or any of your replies because I don't fucking care. Where were you when I put out the tweet initially? Nowhere. So I got a follower that randomly drew the followers of mine that, you know, initially commented on the tweet and they they got their jerseys. You little late bloomers, your Johnny come latelys, go fuck yourself. Zach, a man of the people. Mike, yes. your thoughts. 
Um, what was the question again? The, uh, the, the question is, who let the dogs out and how have we not solved this in 20 years? Uh, no, um, I, I, my question was, God, I don't even remember how old fucking oh, You were compared to David Clowney and, yeah. and Julio. I, yeah, I so. Think, I think it's different because Clowney is never, has never been near the player that Julio Jones was, is any of that stuff. Like Clowney was a good player. Um, he has been a good player at the NFL level. Um, you know, maybe even bordering on great at times uh, in Houston, but you know, it, it coming into last season, sure. There was a reason to be excited about him, but it, it's not like he was a, surefire hall of famer like julio jones is um julio jones has proven uh time and time and time again there are just not the same concerns to me with with julio as there were with Clowney. and plus you're getting them now before even veteran minicamp not you know one week before the season too one of the last pieces I wanted to touch on with this, and, and, and this is not a shot at Zach. This is more of just like, let, let's back up to the Diana Rossini tweets of, you know, the, the the Falcons have a first round pick on the table. We'll never be able to prove if that was the case or not. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe there was a first, somebody on Reddit yesterday put out that, yeah, it was like a 2039 first round pick from the Rams <laughs> or something. So but, Albert... Albert Breer actually had something on that on his Monday 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 morning quarterback piece this morning. He said that they that a one team did discuss a future first with uh, the Falcons, but that was a pick swap. It was not a clean first, and it was never a firm offer. It was just discussed um, during trade talk. So it was that a first round pick was never firmly on the table at for a, an offer for him when well, that's that's kind of where i'm going with this is that you know she had a later tweet it may have been in the same tweet of the titans were a long shot I, and again i'm not using this as, as a as a dig at zach I'm, I'm using this out there as kind of caution going forward of i 100 believe what she tweeted out is what she was told but that you can you can kind of look at that now and see how that could have been the team putting out think about what Albert Breer said with her tweet that reads. And again, I'm assuming completely assuming that reads like the Falcons are throwing that out there of we have value on the table. Who else is in this bargaining chip? So the reason why I throw that out there is a caution to fans going forward of look, reporters are out here more than likely telling the truth, but sometimes don't hinge your, you know, don't hinge your bets on, oh my God, we're out of the Julio running or, oh my God, we're in the Julio running or whatever the case is on one source. It, it, actually, especially with the Titans now, start to sit back and enjoy yourself because I've had to tell myself this multiple times in the past of just trust in the process. John Robinson does seem to have his finger on the pulse in the last couple of years. He has, you know, pulled the trigger on some some, you know, big name, well, free agent with, with, uh, with Clowney, but this now with the trade reporters will put their information out there, but how they get it out there and what you do to disseminate it, you know, take things with a grain of salt. Yeah. I mean, they can only report what they've been told. Right. right. Like, and, and ultimately, you know, whether you find that she, I will say this, I think it was Bedard. If I'm not mistaken, a, a Greg Bedard also said yeah. there was a first round pick on the table, future first. Someone else said I'm it not, this last yeah. week. I, I don't know yeah. if it was actually him, but someone else besides 
in between Breer and Rossini, someone else said that there was a future first round pick. And that's what she said. Now, she did go on the ESPN and say that it was a 2021 first. But to be fair, I was talking about the future first round pick and how I would put in a 2021. But I meant 2022, right? So, like, people make mistakes. And, and sure, she probably should have came out and said something. But, heck. I bet the Falcons or ESPN were like, hey, just keep that out there. Keep the 2021 first, which is, you know, it's it's the game. It's the game that these reporters play. They Whether, you know, obviously the Falcons told her, you know, that, hey, we have a future first round pick on the table, which technically, you know, if there's discussions about a future first round pick, is it on the table? I don't know. Like, you know, do do the Falcons are they're they're fudging words, obviously, you know, and and stretching the truth a little bit. But in the end, I'll say this: I would have rather given up a first than a second and a fourth. And I'll be completely honest. I I think first round picks are overrated. It's number thirty two anyway. The John Robinson <laughs> is actually. John Robinson's actually better in the second and fourth rounds than he is in the first traditionally. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of would have just given up the first and just, you know, call it a day because when you're picking last because you won the Super Bowl, what is what good is that first? Like, what good is that? Like, I, and it's one year. <laughs> and, you know, these people are so, like, they're clutching the, these the, this first-round pick like it is it is the lifeblood of a team. It's one pick for one year. Now we, we see that the Tennessee Titans are giving up a pick in 2022 and a pick in 2023 no i'm just you know i would have just rather given up one pick and call it a day but i'm happy i mean Julio jones i you know i guess i lost a few bets but in the end i won because i got fucking julio jones on the tennessee titans like you know i'm, I'm elated i'm so happy I, I think looking back, and, and I kind of had the gut feeling at the time that Rusini was getting that information from the Falcons and being asked to put that out there, be, simply because it did not square with all of the other reports that were out. The, there was all the reports from PFT, from, uh, you know, there was a ton of sources, you know, I, I think Breer had some stuff out there, Peter King maybe, that the market had been kind of cool and that there just wasn't, you know, the, the Falcons wanted a first, but it just, they they hadn't been able to get anybody that would get close to that. And then suddenly she puts out that there has been a first on the table or that there was a first discussed or however she phrased it. And I, I was like, that just doesn't add up because they would have taken that already. Like that would have already, they would have jumped at that. Even if it was a 2023 first, I feel like they would have been like, all right, you know, let's go. So it just didn't pass the smell test to me. And I think looking back on it now, it's very clear, you know, and information is a two-way street, uh, you know, for these reporters. They want information from these teams, but the teams are also trying to put out information through them, right? So the Falcons clearly were using her as a conduit to get information out there, knowing that the Titans would see it. I'm guessing, you know, in, in timeline-wise, at that point, the Titans – probably had a second round pick on the table. The Falcons were trying to see if they could, you know, kind of goad uh, John Robinson into upping his pick and giving him a first, which is what they wanted all along. Um, and, and they put that information out there to try to get him to, to move. And, you know, that's fair play for the Falcons. I mean, in a negotiation like this, I think you'd be almost, um, you know, negligent not to use everything at your disposal, 
to not try to get the best pick possible for a, a franchise icon that, that, you know, you need to turn into something for the future of your team. But, you know, I, I, I feel for Rossini cause she, like you said, I'm sure she was told that from a, you know, credible Falcon source, it's just that Falcon source was using her. Um, right. And, you know, maybe, maybe she, kind of looks at that source I mean, moving forward with well, a grain let's of be salt, honest here. You know? People are treating it like it's Jason Lockett for saying that bon, John Bon Jovi is going to fucking buy the Tennessee Titans. Like, no, it's, it's not that. Like, no, she is she's a, proven she, to be she's a credible person. Proven. And yeah. and whether you want to say that she got tricked or whatever, I mean, she did what was what reporters are supposed to do. They're supposed right. to take this information and get clicks and get articles and get airtime in a dead period where there's normally not a lot of football news. And it's Julio fucking Jones. You got to report everything that you hear. You know, Julio Jones just landed in Tennessee, by the way. He's in Nashville. John Robinson comes up in a hoodie and, a, and some shorts and is like, let's get this thing going, takes him out. Where are all my John Robinson should be fired people from a few months ago? <laughs> Where are those guys? Yes, thank you. Like, like what we said, you know, a couple of fucking uh, fucking times already. Shut the fuck up about John Robinson getting fired. Like, there there's so many people who are just like withering away, shrieking into a corn cob because of that stupid take of, oh, John Robinson needs to be fired. We'll never win anything with John Robinson, even though all we've done is win under John Robinson. And now that there's Julian Jones, there is no reason. My expectations were set at, and maybe we'll make the playoffs this year because we'll probably win, you know, beat the Colts and win the South, right? First round exit. Expectations now are Super Bowl or bust, baby. If your expectations are any lower than that right now, barring a catastrophic injury, obviously, which has been the same for every team in the history of Super Bowl playoffs. This is a this is 100% a team that should be going to the Super Bowl and needs to be talked about legit contenders. I mean, there's no reason that your expectations should be lower than Super Bowl and you should be okay if they oh, make the playoffs and win the South. Like it's it's Super Bowl time people. Like we got to adjust the expectations of this team with Julio Jones. Yeah, I think everything. next two next two years they're all in on a Super Bowl window right here, and, and this is what that this move tells us is that they believe that too, right? They John Robinson believes that this core is good enough to go win a Super Bowl because otherwise you don't give up those future assets and the draft or and the uh, the um, cap space and everything else that they're going to have to maneuver to make this work. Um, you don't give that up unless you believe that this team is good enough to go win a championship. And that's, that's what John Robinson's telling us. He, he's telling us that the, these next two years, which is when you've got Derrick Henry under contract, Ryan Tannehill uh, under contract, you know, Lawan and Saffold still in their primes, um, Ben Jones still in his prime. This is the window. This is the window for this group. And this is why this move makes so much sense and always did to me. Julio Jones fits with this window he fits this team his window of still probably you know superstar level play is the exact window that the titans need so i i think 2021 2022 the titans it is super bowl time it's time to talk about the super bowl and, and the titans will talk about winning the division first and that's fine and yeah that's the first step you we have gotta to win, win week division. one before we win but, the super bowl whatever sure. mike rabel's sure. gonna spew out of his asshole mouth Right. 
Wow. What, <laughs> went just, from where's my fire job to people to wow. uh, we just Nancy Kerrigan Vrabel now. So. Go <laughs> speak. I hate it. Oh, I, I mean, so, so yeah, they're going to talk about that. But the fans should be all in. This this team needs to go win a Super Bowl in the next two years, and that's that is what they're trying to do. Um, and I love it. And let's let's also say, as long as we're retiring narratives, let's retire the narrative that the Titans are a cheap franchise that they don't want to spend money. Like that should be absolutely blown to smithereens at this point. Like they went out and got Julio Jones. They're going to have to restructure a bunch of deals to make this happen. They are literally just bucking right at the salary cap uh, from a payment standpoint uh, for players. And that's not before you mention all of the work going on at St. Thomas sports park that they're expanding and building on and all this stuff. This team is spending money. They're being aggressive. This team is doing what fans want them to do. Like there should be no complaints uh, from the department of this is a cheap franchise that that is in the past. Amy Adams strong has, is not her father uh, in that regard. So let's stop, you know, burying her for her, for the sins of her father. Like this is a new direction of the franchise. This continues to prove that. And, and, Credit to John Robinson for having the cojones to step up and pull the trigger on a deal like this. Because, I mean, it it's not like it doesn't come without some risk, right? It, there is some risk. But, hey, it's it's a bet worth making, especially with this roster right now. Well, and now you won't have to worry about, you know, Khalif Raymond getting the ball thrown his way and him just getting knocked down by a guy that was standing still. Like, give me a break. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I am so in, like, it's, it's just, it's amazing because it changes everything for this team. I mean, it changes the way the offense is viewed, the defense is viewed, the way John Robinson, Mike Vrabel, this whole thing. I mean, Todd Downing now has the best team that offensive skill players that you could possibly hook up almost. I mean, you got Ryan Tannehill, top five quarterback, in my opinion. You have Derrick Henry, the best running back. And, and some people like LaDainian Tomlinson are calling him a generational running back where he could be the next Jim Brown. On top of that, you have A.J. Brown, who is basically everybody's wide receiver one for fantasy football, supposedly, because they – and now you got Julio Jones, Josh Reynolds. you got a great offensive line with a magnificent offensive line coach. It's just you, – you can't go wrong unless you, you get in your own way. And one final fuck you to some to a segment of people. Fuck you, Colts fans. You guys are so fucking annoying and and have no clue what you have in store for you. We are coming for you. We are gonna stomp on your throats and never let our foot off the gas. Fuck you, Colts fans. Did y'all did y'all hear that in the wind? I think it was the sound of the Texans signing yet another quarterback. Um, so I wanted I can't in this podcast without discussing the fact we're recording this on Monday Sunday yesterday was one of the craziest days most fun days in sports that I have had in a long time starting with the I don't know if you're fans but I was watching the F1 Grand Prix as I'm watching the end of it I was watching on delay the Titans win the the Julio lottery which just launched into a day of Clippers Mavs very good college baseball last night. And then this USA-Mexico game oh my last God. night, which had the following. Please allow me to finish this list. 
USA tied the game in the 82nd minute. There was a fight. The game was paused during a stoppage due to a homophobic chant. A fan ran onto the CBS set live on TV, may have died because this man leaped over the railing and disappeared into the shadow realm. Uh, VAR gave a USA gave the USA a penalty shot in extra time. Mexico's coach got a red card for touching the ref during a review. Pulse gave the USA a lead on an ensuing penalty shot. USA bench was injured during a celebration with a bottle to the face. That was not the only bottle to the face. A Mexico player took a, took a bottle to the face a few minutes later. USA's backup goalie stopped at an amazing PK. Um, and then another fan ran onto the field. This was one of the wildest soccer games I've watched in a long time and capped off one of the best Sundays in sports I've had in in several years yeah that match was it was like it was so unhinged from start to finish like obviously like usa mexico is always going to have a like a tinge of just uh you know simmering intensity just because of like the rivalry between the two and the fan bases and all that stuff but my god was this nuts and i mean it literally started I think Mexico scored within 70 seconds uh, of kickoff because, you know, stupid ass uh, <laughs> USA center back, uh, I think it was uh, McKenzie, uh, passed it directly to a Mexican player who uh, promptly scored. Um, but it, it was like from that moment on, it was just nuts. Like it was nuts in every way possible. Like there was a, a moment when one of the Mexican players, Herrera, started choking Weston McKinney um, on the field, and that didn't get a red card. I mean, it was it was insane. Like, and I don't care if you're a soccer guy or not. If you turned on that game and were not entertained, there's like something deeply wrong with you because it was like it was just a scene, man. I, I can't even explain it. Like, one of the most fun sporting events I've watched in quite some time. And obviously, you know, us coming out on top in the end and, and getting to win a, an actual trophy. Uh, it, it was, was kind of fun too. So um, yeah, just unbelievable sports day yesterday, but I don't, I don't want to talk about the Mavericks game, please. <laughs> <laughs> what happened, Mike? Did the Clippers Nothing take happened. it in seven? Um, <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's going to do it for us. It's been a very nice podcast, it's been fun to actually have content to talk about um, because I'm not going to lie. The thought of going into the season and discussing AJ Brown and then a giant step off to Josh Reynolds was, uh, was very depressing. So I'm really glad that we got this Elio Jones situation wrapped up. We're very happy over here at, at uh, F-Words Podcast and uh, we hope you're, you're happy with us. Please leave us a review rate subscribe tell your friends that you listen to us if you don't like our podcast please leave the bad review because they're actually pretty pretty damn entertaining when you all get on and say why we suck and the answers are usually complete bullshit so please get political on. Is, the, is the latest one we're just we're just too we way too it's it. non-stop talking politics if you've been listening for the last hour i'm sorry that we broke down the capital raid so you know forgive me for being political the entire time Again, football and other F-words. We are part of Broadway Sports Media. Come check us out at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We would love to have you over there. Uh, I'm happy to have Mike and Zach back. It was interesting doing podcasts for myself a couple weeks. I don't really want to do that anymore. I like having you all back. <laughs> so uh, for Zach and Mike and myself, Michael Gillum, you just been up. A Broadway Sports Media production.